It finally happened. Minor leaguers have a CBA. Major League Baseball finally decided it is a good day to pay a minor leaguer. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, editor-in-chief of Bravestoday.com, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and we're proud to discuss the fact that minor leaguers officially have a collective bargaining agreement. The announcement came out about 9 p.m. on Wednesday night, the night before MLB opening day, that uh, a deal, a tentative deal had been agreed. It's a five-year agreement. Uh, it had already been voted on by the leadership committee for the players. It was sent out to the rank-and-file membership of minor leaguers, so 4,500 players or so, for them to vote. It's expected they will have that deal formally accepted through the players by about midnight Friday. Uh, now, the owners still have to ratify the deal, so there, it's possible it won't be done by Friday because you have to get all 30 owners together, and they're kind of busy with opening day stuff right now, as you can imagine. But it's expected that this will be ratified by both sides. So, amazing groundbreaking stuff here, right? This has been years and years of work from organizations like uh, uh, Advocates for Minor Leaguers, more than baseball, the Players Association themselves. Lots of groups have brought lots of attention and awareness on the substandard and frankly pathetic rates of pay, accommodations, and different things like that for players in the minors. And we've seen MLB unilaterally take some steps to make things better. We saw some pay raises. We saw guaranteed housing, although there was a lot of questions about the standards on that. And we saw, after a lot of public shaming, we saw a lot of organizations begin paying their players in spring training. But we now have codified a lot of these changes. So not everything is positive for the players. They had to give some stuff up to get these quality of life improvements. But things are much better than they were before for minor leaguers. So uh, pay is the biggest immediate takeaway that we can be happy about for the minor leaguers. Uh, now, there's two aspects of this. Aspect one is how often they get paid, and two is how much. Everybody's talking about how much. We'll get to that in a second. But when they get paid is a big thing as well. It used to be you were paid during the competitive season, which is the regular season. So you were paid from, as technically this is being, re this is being recorded on Thursday, you were paid starting on Friday, which is minor league opening day, all the way through the end of the regular season. Once that happened in September, minor leaguers would not receive a paycheck from their organizations until the next year, once spring training was over, unless their organization was one of the ones that agreed to pay them for, minor, like for spring training as well. The new rules now, you will be paid year-round with the exception of a six-week period. So the Saturday before Thanksgiving through January 1st is considered a dead period. 
There will be, and I'll address the rest of the stuff there, but that is a six-week period where prospects will not be paid by their organizations. Outside of that, they will get a paycheck year-round, which is a fantastic improvement. The other big part of this is how much they are getting paid. So in the complex leagues and in rookie ball, the previous salary amount for minor league players was $4,800. Not a week, not a month. For the entire season, $4,800. They will now get $19,800. A significant increase. It's still not enough, but it's significantly higher than it was. Single A, they used to get $11,000 for a season. They will now get $26,200. Again, significant improvement, not quite enough. High A was the same $11,000 salary. Now it will be $27,300. Double A used to get $13,800 for a full season. They will now get $30,250. Triple A was $17,500. It will now be $35,800. So significant pay increases and in every single situation, at least double what they were making before. The initial estimates are that it's expected this comes from friend of the show, Evan Drellich, writer at The Athletic. Uh, it's expected to cost Major League Baseball an additional $90 million a year for these. And that's, again, all of the teams together. So the, ex- the expected extra expenditure per team comes out with 30 teams, comes out to $3 million a year. There, it's an additional $3 million a year in salary. It's, I don't know, like half a, like not even half a start for a Max Scherzer. Takes care of every minor leaguer in baseball getting at least double what they were making before. Now, these salary increases take place as soon as the deal is ratified. So this will be in effect this year for opening day. Every prospect just got a pay raise. They are also in the CBA. They will retroactively get paid for four weeks of spring training this year. So financially, there are a lot of a lot of benefits that are immediate for the players when it comes to the compensation that they receive. Uh, going off of some of the bullet points, again, credit to Evan Drellich of The Athletic. We'll link the piece in the show notes uh, so you can see a lot of the other terms, things like that, that he's gotten from union officials as to what's in the deal. We talked about the housing policy where MLB teams were providing housing but there weren't necessarily standards as far as do you get your own bedroom? Do you get your own apartment? If you have a family, how does that work? In AA and AAA, you are guaranteed your own bedroom at home. Okay? Uh, if you are in low A or high A, you have the option to get your guaranteed your own bedroom or opting out and receiving a housing stipend from the team to pay for your own housing. If you have a spouse and or children, they are going to be accommodated in the club provided housing as well. So if you have, if it's, if it's a player and their wife and their child, all three of them will get to stay in club provided housing. I don't have full details on whether or not that is 
Uh, you'll have two rooms in that case because one for the kid. I don't know the exact details on that, but they are uh, they are guaranteed to be accommodated in the housing as well. And this housing is free. There is no charge to the players to stay in this housing. This is provided by the teams for the players. Another thing is the reserve policy. So the way it works now, when you sign a uniform player contract. You sign the the contract that all minor leaguers sign with their teams. Uh, these teams have control, have contractual control over you for seven years. At the end of seven years, if you are not in Major League Baseball, you can become a minor league free agent and you can sign with any team. One of the changes to that is if you sign, this is going forward, this is not retroactive, Going forward, if you sign at age 19 or older, you are only under the club reserve for six years rather than seven. So if you draft a prepster who is 18 when he signs, you have seven years. He is attached to that organization for seven years in the minors. If you draft a college player or an older prepster who's 19, they are in the organization for six years before they become free agents. Again, not retroactive. That will start with anybody signed after ratification. It's not retroactive to anybody, but anybody. So this draft, this upcoming year, there are some prep players who are, I, some of them are a little bit younger. Some of them are a little bit older. You may see that calculus change on, I'm going to go to junior college for a year since Either way, I'm only going to have six years versus seven. So, interesting development makes it easier for the older prospects to reach minor league free agency sooner. Another thing, transportation to and from the ballpark. Low A and high A, you are guaranteed transportation to and from the ballpark. I'm guessing they'll set up like buses and they'll have buses go from wherever the housing complex is to the ballpark. Double A and triple A, there's no automatic system like that, but there is a, a agreement to address issues as they come up. At that point, most players have a car. Uh, they're able to drive themselves or ride with, with, co- with, uh, with teammates. Uh, there is no uniform policy for double A and triple A, but rookie ball, low A and high A, you are guaranteed transport to and from your housing to the field and back. In just a minute, We're going to get to the rest of some of this stuff, including players finally receiving rights to their own name, image, and likeness. But first, today's bonus episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The MLB season is here. We are in full swing. Games are starting today. And that means it is the best time to sign up for FanDuel. FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Sign up today to get your no-sweat-first bet. You can wager on everything from individual game uh, results, individual player performances. You can look at season-long numbers for everything from statistical performance to award winners. You can even go as far as to uh, place a bet on who will lead each league in home runs, which league will win the World Series, all kinds of fantastic props, and all of that's on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. So, don't miss your shot 
at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so we're going over this monumental minor league baseball collective bargaining agreement. There are other positive things for the players. We talked about the housing policy. MLB will provide housing. You will have your own bedrooms provided by the team. Uh, Another thing is MLB started requiring the organizations to provide food. There is now a joint clubhouse nutrition uh, committee that will set nutritional standards for what the meal has to be. We saw it was going around on Twitter a lot last season. You'd see players taking pictures of their post-game meal, and it looked like a bad takeout, uh, that you, something you would eat in college. Just not great conditions if you're trying to uh, physically improve yourself, physically develop so that you can hit, throw a baseball harder, hit a baseball farther, and all of that. So the Joint Clubhouse Nutrition Committee will set standards, minimum standards on meal quality, and the per diems while you are on the road will be increased so that players can uh, can be able to purchase healthy food while they're on road trips in the minors. Uh, there will be, we've talked on here before about all of the rule changes in minor league baseball, how there's so many things that MLB will just decide we're going to change this, and then in midseason we're going to change it again. We're going to do all these different things. There is now going to be a committee for these rule changes. I don't know if they have the ability to uh, to say no to any rule changes, but at the very least, it's established for feedback and for consultation on proposed rule changes in the minors. There will be a new joint drug agreement and domestic violence policy. In the past, discipline was entirely whatever the MLB team wanted to do. Now, similar to how it works in the majors, there will be a, commi- a, a, a jointly agreed to policy that explicitly lays out the, the, the standards for conduct as well as the punishments for violating uh, those different conduct when it comes to domestic viol- uh, violence and spousal abuse and when it comes to drug testing uh, and, and some of that. There is a specific thing about training in the offseason. So, and this kind of goes back to instructional leagues. We don't talk about these a lot other than the Arizona Fall League. But from the end of the season until the Friday before Thanksgiving, that is called the fall training period. We already mentioned the dead period is from uh, the Saturday before Thanksgiving through January 1st. And there will be no paychecks sent out during that time. January 2nd until spring training is the winter training period. Players will get paid for both training periods. They'll get paid the minimum salaries we discussed earlier. If they are asked to come to the complexes for instructional league, for development stuff, for a hitting camp, whatever it might be, if the organization's asking them or requiring them to come to the complexes to do work during those training periods, they will receive additional income up and above that minimum salary because they're being asked to leave their families and the possibility of working in the offseason, whether it's doing baseball training, whatever it might be, to come in and do additional work so they will receive additional money 
during those time periods. And as I understand it, I believe the transportation and or the lodging while they're there has to be covered as well. So if you ask them to come into the complexes, you have to put them up and give them a place to stay. You, I think you have to pay to get them there and pay to get them back home afterwards. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I believe that's how that works. Name, image, and likeness rights. So college athletes just recently, like two years ago, got access to their name, image, and likeness rights. They can go out, they can have merchandise, they can do endorsements, they can do all of that stuff and get compensated for that. Minor league baseball players did not have that. Under the uniform player contract, the league, the teams, held the rights to their name, image, and likeness. So the only time you would ever see merchandise for a prospect was once they hit the 40-man roster and they were that close to making it to the bigs because then the Players Association, since they were on the 40-man roster, they were part of the major league bargaining unit, they had the rights to do that. Now, players have their own NIL rights. The Players Association will be doing group licensing to get merchandise and things like that, which is additional revenue streams for these players, additional ways for them to get compensated. Now, you do have to give things up to get some sort of improvement. That's how the negotiation works. One of the things that Major League Baseball went after pretty hard, and they've been trying to do this for a while, was control over the domestic reserve list. What this is, is outside of your Latin American academies, the domestic reserve list specifies how many players your organization is allowed to have. It used to be in the 200s. When they contracted the minors in 2020, it was lowered to 180. So in season, it's 180 players spread amongst your complex league, rookie ball, and then A ball, high A, double A, triple A. So it's in essence, six teams, 30 players per team, six teams. Now that is going to be trimmed down beginning in 2024. It is in the agreement that this year that will not go down. Starting next year, Major League Baseball has the ability to lower that from 180 to 165, which means 15 players per organization will finish this year and then probably not have jobs next year. So you do lose 450 jobs in minor league baseball. Starting next year, you have the ability to take away up to 450 jobs in minor league baseball. Now, when you look at, I mean, this is 15 players per organization, and you think about uh, AAA, AA, high A, A ball, and rookie slash complex league, you're looking at three players per team. This is something where Major League Baseball, they wanted this when they had the, the Major League players locked out. They pushed for this then, the major league players said no the, because they didn't want to take away from the minor league players. The minor league players came to this agreement. This is something Major League Baseball believes that if they had a chance to start the minor leagues over, the rosters wouldn't be as big. Because if you think about it, you have 180 players, but you have five teams. 
you're looking at like 35, 36 players per team. Whereas the big league level, it's 27. And so this brings you down a little bit as far as this brings your rosters down closer to 30 players, 30, 32 per level. It makes it a little bit easier for development time. So it's not great that you lose 450 jobs. But the additional money being spent in salaries is significantly more than you save by getting rid of 15 jobs per organization. So uh, MLB is spending more money on salaries. That's the big thing that it looks like that they gave up on this. There was also, this is a five-year deal. There was also a formal agreement from Major League Baseball that there would be no contraction of the minor leaguers for the term of this CBA. Now, I've covered this before with the player development contracts, the 10-year deals that Major League Baseball signed in 2020, 2021 after they contracted. It would have been very hard to get rid of minor league teams when you are legally required to provide them with players. But Major League Baseball, I'm sorry, the Players Association wanted to have this rule in place going forward for peace of mind and to set the precedent that if Major League Baseball wanted to get rid of teams in the minors, that was something that had to be collectively bargained. So, 213 days of negotiation brought us this collective bargaining agreement. It is ultimately a win for the players. There is, again, $90 million per year in additional salary going to flow to the players starting tomorrow. This is retroactive. They will get paid four weeks of spring training as well. Though teams that didn't pay their minor leaders in spring training now have to. A lot of of teams were already paying them something. Some players will get to minor league free agency sooner. You have improvements in the standard of housing. You have improvements in the standard of food. You have your name, image, and likeness rights like a college athlete would. You have uh, 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 recourse for different violations of different policies, you know exactly what's going to happen as far as uh, the drug testing policy, as far as domestic violence. And you have some sort of say and feedback on rule changes. So this is ultimately a good thing. It is not enough. Uh, the, The highest salary that any minor leaguer who has not hit minor league free agency will make in a year is $35,800. This is not enough, but this is significantly better than where we were yesterday. So this is, this agreement is something to be celebrated. This is something to be recognized. You should be happy that this work was done. All of these organizations, advocates for minor leaguers, more than baseball, all of these other nonprofits, the Major League Baseball Players Association, take today before these games start today to celebrate that this happened. And then tomorrow, we are getting back to work to get an even better deal next time. We usually close this show by saying it's a great day to pay a minor leaguer. Uh, I think in this case, it's appropriate to say it's a great day because minor leaguers got paid. (laughs) 